Fighting for the Faith is listener-supported radio. That means we depend upon you and your generous gifts and financial contributions in order to continue to bring Fighting for the Faith to you into the world. If you don't already support us, you can do so by visiting our website, fightingforthefaith.com. When you get there, you can click on one of our two friendly yellow buttons, or you can make your gift payable to Fighting for the Faith and then send it to Post Office Box 13344, Grand Forks, North Dakota, zip code 58208. And thank you for your support. It's time for another edition of Fighting for the Faith. Tuesday, October 10th, 2017. Thank you for tuning in. You're listening to Fighting for the Faith. My name is Chris Rosebro. I am your servant in Jesus Christ, and this is the program that dishes up a daily dose of biblical discernment, the goal of which, help you to think biblically, help you to think critically, and help you to slow down, stop, open up your Bible, and compare. Compare what people are saying in the name of God to the Word of God. No shortage of crazy things being said out there. We take the time to open up God's Word to compare and contrast what the most popular pastors Preachers, teachers, conference speakers, self-proclaimed prophets, prophetesses, self-appointed apostles and apostolettes, and those generally put forward by the evangelical industrial complex as those whom we need to be listening to, whose books apparently we need to be buying, and whose small group curricula we should be studying instead of the Word of God, yeah. Over and again, we demonstrate that the steady diet of doctrine being put out there is uh, far from biblical, like, like far from it at all. And what's being taught, these are like doctrines of demons, man-made mythology, uh, stuff purposely designed to kind of scratch itching ears and basically teach for shameful gain. Yeah, that would be money. Uh, Things that ought not to be taught. And uh, so many people, you know, they, they not only tolerate it, this is the kind of stuff that they want rather than the truth. And so this is a, a teaching program uh, that is a warning to you and your friends and your loved ones uh, in order to uh, basically say, listen, if, you're, if you have come under the influence of these types of teachers, and these teachers in particular, yeah, you, you kind of have to take them individually too, uh, that, um, well, you're in danger. You're being taught false doctrine. You're being taught falsely about Christ and what Scripture says and there are very, very firm warnings in Scripture regarding those who believe and teach these false doctrines. God's Word is not um, neutral, uh, ambivalent. It's not, you know, it, it, God doesn't have a laissez-faire attitude when it comes to false doctrine and false teachers. In fact, Jesus Christ, when asked regarding the end of the world, you know, uh, what will be the sign of His imminent coming, First thing out of his mouth is, be sure that no one deceives you. 
And uh, there's a lot of deception going on out there. And this is a program that is a wee bit on the rough side to listen to because we name names, we play sound bites in context, and uh, we try to have a little bit of fun along the way. But ultimately, this is a teaching program. And uh, it's, a, it's a wee bit rough, especially if you've fallen under the sway of a false teacher. And I get it. I, I Listen, I totally 100% get it. And the best thing I can say and the best advice I can give you is hang in there. You, you need to give fighting for the faith between three and six weeks. After that, you start to, you know, the light goes on. And what was that term I saw uh, recently? Again, it was some liberal SJW type. Uh, it, it, the, um, it was uh, woke, woke, that's right. Yeah, you know, our, our job here is to woke you. I don't think I use that word right. Anyway, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, okay. <laughs> I Have you ever done something, you know, you, 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 you said something, and then once it kind of left your mouth, you thought, yeah, that just didn't work. No, it, yeah. Okay, today's episode of Fighting for the Faith. Uh, we're going to begin with a Prophetic Holy Orders Network Information Exchange Syndicate update. And the, you know, how do I put this? We so we got we got Prophetic Holy Orders folks, and we got NAR folks, kind of all in one big bundle and a mess. I'm wondering if I should group these. Nah, I'm not going to group them. <laughs> So we're going to start off uh, with uh, Jennifer LeClaire. Jennifer LeClaire. Um, and uh, a, a recent teaching she's, um, you know, that, you know, we, we kind of nabbed it live was uh, Transparent Lessons in Spiritual Warfare. Transparent Lessons in Spiritual Warfare. No idea what that means. Yeah, I mean, that's the other thing. These these people are like the masters at spinning together sentences that mean nothing. There's like no cash value to them. And uh, one of the sentences we refer to over and again when we hear sentences like that is the sentence, blue sleeps faster than Tuesday. And, uh, you know, just think about the sentence. I mean, it is grammatically 100% structurally intact and sound. Does it mean anything? Yeah, No. So um, transparent lessons in spiritual warfare is kind of like blue sleeps faster than Tuesday. Um, and uh, and uh, so we got Jennifer LeClaire to start off with. And um, then we'll throw in Tom Rinala. Yeah, I, I'm kind of looking at here. I'm going to move him up. So Jennifer LeClaire, then Tom Rinala. We're going to listen to Tom Rinala explain to us, um, well, let's kind of put it this way. Tom Rinala is the husband of um, newly uh, anointed apostolate, uh, Catherine Rinala. And uh, Tom Rinala, we're going to listen to him actually give the um, money message in a service that recently occurred there at uh, Glory City Church. And just straight up false doctrine being taught by Tom Rinala. Uh, which kind of begs the question, just how greedy is he anyway? But um, so uh, we'll be uh, listening to Tom Rinala. Then we're going to s- steer into the NAR. Uh, we're going to listen to a couple of uh, recent prophetic uh, revelations revealed to the apostolate, self-appointed apostolate, Cindy Jacobs. Um, and the first of them is, it's time to decree his word. It's time to decree his word. I'm not sure what that means. And uh, then we, uh, somewhere in there, we're going to have to take a break. And then we're going to hear from Matt Sorgers. Yeah, literally, uh, 
I don't want to call it preaching, but I mean, he. this was the sermon time at Glory City Church. Matt Sorger traveled down to uh, Brisbane and uh, <clears throat> and uh, took the stage there at Glory City Church. So we'll listen to his message, uh, at least a portion of it. And then uh, John Kilpatrick, if we have time, uh, will round out our number one. Uh, recently he spoke at uh, Perry Stone's Church, Alpha and Omega Center, I think is the name of it. Hour number two, we're going to head down to C3 Church San Diego and uh, listen to guest speaker slash pastor Mark Burchell and his message titled Miracle Magnet. Miracle Magnet? (laughs) Okay, so yeah, I never heard of anybody being a miracle magnet. Are you a miracle magnet? Yeah, if you're not, maybe you're doing it wrong. So uh, we'll that will be... (laughs) days i was literally like looking at my program notes going what have i done here what is what is this this is i think it'd be some kind of torture but uh since we're gonna begin with a prophetic holy orders network information exchange syndicate update let's do this oh hallelujah get up right now Robert Tilton and Hubabaconda. So uh, we're heading over to, what is the name of this? The Awakening House of Prayer. And uh, Jennifer LeClaire, um, she's got you know, stacks of books regarding uh, you know spiritual warfare. Her latest book titled Battle Plan, which she is selling there at the Awakening House of Prayer. Yeah, that's not shameful at all. And uh, we're <laughs> teaching for shameful gain things that they ought not to teach. Scripture actually says that. That's a direct quote from Scripture. And uh, so we're going to listen to Jennifer LeClaire teaching on transparent lessons in spiritual warfare. Transparent. I'm just not sure what the word transparent is actually accomplishing in that sentence. But uh, here's Jennifer LeClaire to explain. Here we go. Whatever you want here, that's the great thing about it. You know, you're allowed to swing from the chandeliers if they'll hold you. I don't know if they would hold me, but they might hold you. You can do whatever you want. You're free, praise God. Hallelujah. You're free. Who the sun sets free is free indeed. So do whatever you want. Feel free to sit. Just don't sleep. Because if you fall asleep, I'm going to have to come over and begin to prophesy to you. Don't fall asleep. No sleeping. So, so is this pre-sermon stuff there at the Awakening House of Prayer? Okay. Christine, she's she's on sleep patrol tonight. You know the enemy sows tears while we sleep. Oh yeah, that's right. He does. <laughs> 
Yeah, that's a that's an abuse of one of the parables that uh, Jesus told, the parable of the wheats and the tares, or the zazania. And uh, yeah, I mean, it was a parable. It, it's it is the the takeaway is not don't go to sleep because while you're sleeping, the devil's going to sow tares. Yeah, that's absurd. He sows tears while we sleep. So I want to share with you, uh, this is the new book. I'll be doing a book signing later. Selling books from the pulpit. Uh, Jennifer LeClaire is there. Maybe I'm using Yoda's uh, sentence construction techniques here. Virtual warfare battle plan. Uh, Some people are saying it's one of the best books I've written. It was the, the easiest book to write. Why was it such an easy book to write? Well, because I've been through a battle with each one of these spirits. Right. Now, we did look at the uh, inside cover. You know, on, on Amazon, you can actually you know, click the look inside link. Uh, there is no chapter for the sneaky squid. I know you were, you were wondering about that. So we checked. There is no chapter on the sneaky squid spirit. I talk about in the book 15 harassing demons that want to destroy your life. You know, the enemy comes with, with a, three, a threefold ministry, a threefold agenda to kill, steal, and destroy. Yeah, actually, that's what false teachers do. Yeah, yeah. John 10 is uh, the reference there. And Jesus, if you go back and look into John 9, get the context, and then move forward into John 10, uh, the thief comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. That's not talking about the devil. That's talking about false teachers like mm-hmm, Jennifer LeClaire. And so he, 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 he's faithful to that, but he uses different strategies. He uses different spirits. You know, there wouldn't need to be all these different kinds of spirits uh, if, if only one was necessary. In other words, the, the, the enemy... What? <laughs> See, there wouldn't be a need for all of these different types of spirits if only one were necessary. What on earth does that sentence mean? As a hierarchy. Okay. Oh, yeah. right. Principalities. Yeah. Powers. Yeah. Rulers of the darkness of the state, spiritual weakness in high places. Pastor Austin, that red thing is blinking. Is that supposed to be blinking? Yeah. All right. But we've got a brand new camera, so I'm not used to it yet. But the the enemy has a hierarchy. And and, and so these different demons, I'm convinced that they all, whether it's a spirit of fear, listen, whether it's a spirit of rejection, whether it's a python spirit, whether it's a spirit of witch. Yeah, that was a little bit of a bump in the audio on her part, not ours. Infirmity, whatever spirit it is, has the same essential agenda to steal, kill, and destroy. It's just a matter of how the spirit goes about it. So, a spirit of fear will try to destroy your life by making you timid, by making you afraid to pursue your dreams, to build relationships. A spirit of infirmity literally tries to keep you. So, a spirit of fear tries to keep you fearful so that you don't achieve your dreams or don't go into relationships. Is there a biblical text that says that? In sickness, to keep you weak in your body, that you might not enjoy your life. You know, Jesus said to have life and enjoy it to the fullest. We're, to, we're not just to have a life, we're to enjoy a life. You know, if you're not enjoying, let me tell you something. God did not call you to live in misery. He did not call you to live in sickness. There is no sickness in heaven. There is no disease in heaven. God didn't give you the disease. He doesn't have any to give. And so the enemy comes with, with smoke and mirrors. Here's one thing the Lord showed me uh, during uh, one of our prayer broadcasts. How many of you are on the mornings of the Holy Spirit prayer broadcast? Amen. Praise God. Reaching about a million people a week with these morning. A million people a week? Um. Yeah. Call me skeptical. I. I. I'd like to see her. Uh, her traffic stats.
Holy Spirit prayer broadcast. I do them on Facebook Live and on Periscope every day at 6 a.m. Uh, people are on from South Africa, from London, from Spain, from it, everywhere in the world. It's a, it's, it's an international uh, broadcast. And so one thing that came out during the call uh, the, other, the other day, uh, you know, was that the devil has no armor. See, we have the armor of God, right? We've got the helmet of salvation. We've got the sword of the spirit. We've got the shoes of peace, praise God. We've got the belt of truth, right? The breastplate of righteousness and the, uh, the, uh, the shield of faith. But the enemy has no armor. He has no armor. So listen, when you swing the sword of the spirit because he has no armor, he is defenseless against you. When you... <laughs> Really, the devil has no armor. I've never heard that revelation before. In the name of Jesus, because he has no armor, he is defenseless against you. All, all you have to do is fight back, and he's defenseless against you. The only way he can get over on you is by lying to you, by making you think that you can't win, by making you think that oh, that I, I, you know, whatever he's making you think. And right now we're in a, I call it witchcraft season because, you know, I don't know if you all knew this and those of you watching online, you may never have heard this before, but there is, and I just looked it up to find out what the date of it was because there's been so much witchcraft coming against my mind. I tell you what, it's It's witchcraft season, folks, Uh, that month of October, you know. Incredible. Witchcraft makes you want to quit, makes you want to give up. Uh, witchcraft uh, confuses you. you. You're exhausted for no reason. Uh, people get in strife with you. Imaginary offenses come along. It's like accusations. It's like, what is Imaginary offenses. What's going on? It's witchcraft season. We are, what are we doing right now in October? We're celebrating darkness, right? The world, essentially, is celebrating darkness. We see, you can't go into Walmart or Walgreens or Wall anywhere and find and not see skulls and goblins and the vampires and all manner of wickedness. And so because we're, listen, because we're celebrating darkness, uh, we are, we're empowering that. We're making room for it. We're giving place to it. And whatever you focus on, whatever you worship, whatever you you lift up and exalt you in power. Uh, uh-huh. Okay. Now, I, I'm going to pause right there. I mean, this is very interesting. Um, notice she hasn't even opened a single biblical text yet. Uh, let's head down to Glory City Church. And uh, Tom Runala, uh, the uh, husband of the Apostolette, self-appointed Apostolette, um, Catherine Runala, uh, this is him Literally, uh, during the uh, the giving portion of the service, uh, laying out apparently what it what happens uh, when you sow a seed at uh, Glory City Church. Uh, here we go. So we'll just um, bring up that declaration. So what we're doing at the moment is that we're making declarations about breathing life and in life into our finances. Have we got- You're going to make declarations about breathing life into your finances. Blue sleeps faster than Tuesday. Uh-huh. <laughs> I, am, I had no idea what that sentence means. Declaration slide up. All right, so they, they got a slide for this, okay. So we, um, we believe in this, this house that we cooperate with God, and how we cooperate with God is through our words. And we, we do that in faith. So what we're doing today is we're... So we cooperate with God with our words. <laughs> I, yeah, again, I, I'm just kind of drawing a blank here. I mean, I'm saying these sentences and, you know, and I can't 
connect these sentences in my mind to anything because I have no clue what he's talking about. No scripture says this. Attaching our faith to these words. Okay, so we need to attach our faith to these words. And you notice this is, they're getting ready to pass the buckets and, uh, you know, and expect people to put money in them, you know. So if you need a job, then attach your faith to that part of the, the thing. If you need extra blessing in your finances, attach your faith to um, whatever the Holy Spirit is highlighting. <laughs> the Holy Spirit uses a highlighter. Okay, so there you are at Glory City Church. Tom Rinala is getting ready to pass the bucket so you can put money in it. And uh, he wants you to attach your faith to what you're giving for things that you want. So, you know, Christmas is not all that far uh, around the corner here. I mean, I understand it's early October, but, you know, it these it's going to go quick. I'm just saying, you know, it, October is going to just blink and it's going to disappear. And then it's going to be Thanksgiving like tomorrow. And then the day after tomorrow, it's going to be Christmas. So, you know, it, it's just boom, boom, boom. So, you know, it, so with Christmas coming up, I mean, you know, and your your kid, you got your your kids want you know that whatever the new thing is, they want the Xbox or the PlayStation ninety seven or you know something like I don't know I <laughs> my my kids are grown, but um you know they, they he they want the GI Joe with the Kung Fu grip and and so you're thinking how am I going to be able to afford Christmas this year? Like what my kids want for Christmas is so expensive. And so I know, I know. I, what I'm going to do is I'm going to write a check to Catherine Rinala, stick it in the bucket as it goes by, and I'm going to attach my faith to it. And I'm going to decree and declare uh, that by me giving money to Catherine Rinala, I'm I'm going to be decreeing and declaring um, in, an abundant harvest of Christmas money so that my uh, son can get the uh, G.I. Joe with a Kung Fu grip. Um. <laughs> Yeah, I promise you, uh, being able to afford Christmas will be more difficult um, for you by giving money to Catherine Rinala and trying to attach your faith to it. And, of course, my big question is, what exactly do you use to attach your faith to something like that? A paper clip? Maybe that's not strong enough. Uh, maybe a staple. Mm-hmm. Um you know, some kind of saddle stitching or something like that. So you, you got to make sure that your, attach, your your faith is firmly attached as you decree these things. <laughs> Blue sleeps faster than Tuesday. Yeah, let's keep listening here. So if we just start with this declaration, if you follow me. All right, I, I'm following, yeah. As we receive today's offering, we are believing the Lord for... Jobs and better jobs. <laughs> yeah, I, I I need to send money to somebody so I can believe for a better job than listening to heretics every day. Good night. Bonuses and bonuses, benefits, sales and commissions. <laughs> sales and commissions. Favorable settlements. Estates and inheritances. You're believing for estates and inheritance? What? Interest and income. Rebates and returns. Checks in the mail. Gifts and surprises. Finding money. Debts paid off. Expenses decreased. Blessing and increase. 
Thank you for meeting all of my financial needs so that I may have more than enough to give into the kingdom of God and promote the gospel of Jesus Christ. Uh, (laughs) Oh, that was scary. Yeah. um, Wow. That's kind of a first for me. Mm -hmm. And, And here's a weird thing is that, you know, I've been a Christian for the vast majority of my life. Um, yeah, I'll be pushing 50, um, <clears throat> next year, but anyway, so, uh, the vast majority of my life, I've been in the church, you know, I've, I've seen the plate get passed many times in many different churches in many different contexts. That's the first time I've ever heard anything like that. And that was like, that's not Christian doctrine. That may be witchcraft. That, that sounded like a spell to me, you know, yeah. Bubble, bubble, toil and trouble, cauldron burn and finances bubble. <laughs> I'm attaching my faith for estates and and tax returns and things like. Wow, yeah, that is crazy. Go nuts. Okay, let's let's <clears throat> head back to the awakening house of prayer. Check back in with Jennifer Leclaire here. Hang on. Think about it. When you walk into a church service, yeah, and you begin to praise and worship God, what happens? feel the presence of God, right? You feel the presence of God. When you worship Him, when you lift up the name of Jesus, all men are drawn to Him. We, we, we feel the presence of God. What exactly does that feel like? I, you know, I just, I'm curious. What happens when the world around us is, is exalting and celebrating evil? You begin to feel the evil presence because we're allowing it permission. We're, we're... You know, it's weird. It really gets cold in my office. Every time I play Jennifer LeClaire, I mean, like, I... I can see my breath right now. It's so demonically cold. Allowing it uh, a place. We're giving place to it. The Bible says, give no place to the devil. That's what it says, right? Give no place to the devil. We're not going to give him place. He tries to come in. I spoke earlier in our, in our, in our uh, Sunday service. You know, the Bible says that the kingdom of God suffers violence and the violent take it by force. What happens is the enemy forces his way into your life, forces his way into your health, forces his way into his mind. He's aggressive. He's militant. The Holy Spirit, by contrast, is a gentleman. Many times speaks in a still, small voice. Yeah, um, Scripture actually doesn't say that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm, I'm serious. You think of, well, I know the passage where Elijah was at Mount Horeb and God spoke in a still, small voice to him. Yeah, that's a descriptive text, and there is no prescriptive text that says that you should expect the same to happen to you. Uh-huh. And the enemy forces away. So what we have to do is we have to get militant. We have to get radical. We have to get aggressive and force the enemy out. We have to evict. Yeah, get, the, get in there. Force him out. You know, you get some demonic bug spray or something. Praise God. We have to evict him. We take authority over him. I have a, 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 one, of the, one of the condos that I used to own. I've since uh, disposed of it. Uh, I have two others. Uh, that I'm getting ready to sell, but I had one other, and there was a, there was a, a woman that I rented it to, and, and this is a horrible testimony because it was a lady from the church, a lady from the church, and the church I didn't go to, but she was it was a, a lady that we, you know, if I told her you name you'd know her, and, and and she says, well, I just need a place to stay until I move up back to Baltimore. So I said, well, you know, I'm 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 going to be selling this, so you know, you may as well, you know, I was just going to let her live there for free, and she says, no, I really need to, I, I really want to pay. So we agreed on a price. It was like really next to nothing, but she refused to leave my condo. She moved in. And would not leave. You know, they call those squatters. 
Oh, you got squatted. Okay. Waters. They're occupying a place illegally. And this is what the enemy does many times in our lives. So it sounds to me like Jennifer LeClaire has enough money that she has investment properties, you know, and uh, she can lease or rent, um, you know, condos to people. And because she experienced a squatter, she now has a squatter doctrine that she exegeted from her squatting um, tenant. Oh, man. He's a squatter. He's occupying a place that belongs to you illegally. So what we have to do is we have to be like the Israelites when they entered into the promised land. And <sighs> Misapplication of the promised land there, by the way. Read Hebrews 11. Yeah, I'm, I'm just telling you. Read Hebrews 11. The promised land of the Old Testament is type and shadow of the new heavens, new earth, the real promised land, the one we will spend eternity in. Uh-huh. There were already ites there. There were Hittites and Jebusites and Hivites and Canaanites. What they had to do was... In order and Jennifer LeClairites. To possess what already belonged to them legally, they had to dispossess the former occupants. And they had to do it by force. They didn't walk in there and said, excuse me, uh, Mr. Canaanite giant, uh, Mr. Philistine giant, uh, Mr. Hivite, uh, would you, you know, God gave us a prophecy and, you know, it'd be just wonderful if you just kind of get out of our way and wouldn't you like to live on, just on beyond the Negev and, you know, if the Lord told us this is us, so would you just, Mr. Devil, would you, you, the devil doesn't respond to that. The devil's not kind. He only understands the authority that you have in Jesus. That's the only language he speaks. He doesn't speak, you know, hissy fit. Oh, jeez. You, know, you ever, you ever you know, have everything go wrong? You start having a hissy fit? Y'all getting religious. Come on, no, you do. The devil doesn't speak hissy fit. Boy, I mean, this, this is just some profound theology. <laughs> I, oh, man, I just can't believe that people actually woke up on a Sunday morning to go and hear that complete nonsensical man-made, literally like spinning it out of her head off the cuff, uh, just vomit that isn't even biblical doctrine. I mean, good night. <sighs> All right, we're up on our first break. If you'd like to email me regarding anything you've heard on this edition or any previous editions of Fighting for the Faith, you can do so. My email address is talkback at fightingforthefaith.com or you can subscribe on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash Christian. Follow me on Twitter, my name there, at Christian. Quick break. When we come back, we're going to be hearing from Cindy Jacobs, Matt Sorger, and probably John Kilpatrick if we have time. Stay tuned. Don't want to miss him. We'll be right back. No sneaky squid spirit formed against us will prosper. You're listening to Fighting for the Faith. You're listening to Pirate Christian Radio. We'll be taking your false doctrine now. <laughs> presents Church Day Select.
And it would seem that there have been an unprecedented number of churches that have mysteriously sunk into the earth over the last two weeks. Authorities within the church have made the claim that this is the work of what they're calling the sneaky squid spirit. Scientists have analyzed the phenomena and have made some shocking discoveries. It turns out that Pastor Chuck Pierce accidentally opened up multiple heavenly blessing portals simultaneously. By doing so, he unwittingly ripped a hole in the fabric of space-time so large that the sneaky squid spirit simply fell through the leaking, bulging sound membrane. Authorities have offered a $1 million reward to anyone who can stop it. Well, hello there. Welcome to MacGuffins. Uh, what can I do for you today? Hi, uh, I was wondering what supplies you had in stock that would help me fight the paranormal. Well, uh, see, we got here. We, um, we got rock salt shotgun rounds, uh, PKE meters, EMF readers, hexes, spells, salt hula hoops, demon summoning coloring books, crucifixes, and holy water, amongst other things. Do you carry the grimoire of modern prayer? Not since it was outlawed by the Geneva Convention. Sorry. Bummer. I I noticed it looks kind of empty in here. Well, business has been booming as of late. Uh, are you going after that sneaky squid, what, whatchamacallit? Yeah, as a matter of fact. I, what, what would you recommend for tackling this beast? Well, none of the items here are going to work against that monstrosity. If I were you, I'd buy Los Lobos Ministries' latest invention. What's that? Well, it's right here in the summer catalog. It is a um, laser-guided, sneaky squid spirit homing nuclear missile. Great, I'll take one. Uh, sorry, uh, we're, <clears throat> we're we're fresh out. Fresh out? Then why'd you even mention it? Well, if you want to order one right now, I could have it here for you in about uh, eleven weeks. No, I I need something today. Well, there is one thing I can sell you. What the heck is this? Glory sprinkles. Glory sprinkles? It's what I said. Is there an echo in here or something? No, I heard you. It just sounds more like a breakfast cereal than a paranormal weapon. They look like Lucky Charms. They're more like Fruit Loops, actually. This is really the best you got? Afraid so. How am I even supposed to use these? Well, uh, there's instructions on the bag. Use two or three handfuls to throw directly onto the sneaky squid spirit. Do not inhale or ingest. If ingestion occurs, please see your local physician for treatment immediately. Must be 18 or older to purchase. All right. Glory sprinkles it is, then. Happy squid hunting. Will Dylan kill the sneaky squid spirit? Will Chuck Pierce be held accountable for his crimes? Learn all of this and more on the next thrilling episode of The Sneaky Squid Spirit Trilogy! Hi, Chris Rosebro here to talk about our longtime featured advertiser, Cheapo Air. Doesn't matter if you're traveling for business reasons or for pleasure. Doesn't matter if you're traveling within the United States or abroad. Cheapo Air is the place for you to save literally 
hundreds of dollars on your airfare, hotel rooms, and rental cars. Visit our website, fightingforthefaith.com. On the side of our website, you'll see our ad banners. Look at the ad banner for Cheapo Air and look on it. There's a promo code. Write the promo code down. Click on the ad banner and then book your travel at the Cheapo Air website and you'll have the opportunity to enter that promo code for additional savings. Again, fightingforthefaith.com. Write down the promo code, click on the ad banner and save money on your airfare, hotel rooms and rental cars today. Warning, uh, listening to Fighting for the Faith could help you identify when somebody is skewing their own doctrines rather than actually teaching what God's Word says. Just a reminder, Fighting for the Faith is listener-supported radio. That means we depend upon you and your generous gifts and financial contributions in order to continue to bring Fighting for the Faith to you and to the world. That's right. Uh, if you would like, we would really love it if you would, please partner with us in order for us to keep doing what we're doing. And the easiest way to do that is visit our website, fightingforthefaith.com. When you get there, you'll see our two friendly yellow buttons. One says donate, the other says join our crew. When you join our crew, you get to pick your rank in our crew. Lowest rank is Powder Monkey at $9.95 a month. After that, Gunner's Mate at $24.95 a month. From there, Master Gunner at $49.95 a month. And then Quartermaster at $99.95 a month. Great way to support us. Of course, if you'd like to specify the amount that you would like to contribute, you could do so by clicking on the Donate button, or you can make your gift payable to Fighting for the Faith and then send it to Post Office Box 13344, Grand Forks, North Dakota, zip code 58208. And let me thank you for your support. We truly cannot do what we are doing here without it. All right, time for a new Apostolic Reformation update. Let's do this. Chief, what do you want to do tonight? Same thing we do every night, Pinky. Try to take over the world. The Pinky and the Brain. Yes, Pinky and the Brain. One is a genius, the other's insane. The laboratory mice, the genes have been sliced. They're Pinky, they're Pinky and the Brain, 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 Brain. Before each night is done. Their plan will be unfurled by the dawning of the sun. They'll take over the world. They're Pinky and the Brain. Yes, Pinky and the Brain. Their twilight campaign is easy to explain. To prove their mousy worth, they'll overthrow the earth. They're Pinky, they're Pinky and the Brain. Brain, 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 Brain. All right, so grab one of your paper uh, analog Bibles, yeah, the the old kind, and see if you got some spare space in the back of it. Yeah, right after the Book of Revelation, uh, we got some fresh revelation that just came down the pike uh, from from you know from heaven itself to uh, the Apostolate uh, Cindy Jacobs, and apparently it's time to decree His Word. Time, it is. Yeah, indeed. Here's Sidney <laughs> Jacobs to explain. And the Lord would say, there are many that have not been releasing my words over your situations. You're- right, yeah. 
Have have you been not releasing God's words over your situations? Well, apparently the Lord would say that there are many who have not been releasing my words over your situations. I have no idea what that sentence means. But it sounds really, you know, spiritual-ish kind of sounding, you know what I mean? Complaining, you're fretting, you're not sleeping. But I would say to you, if you would take my word and begin to speak what my word says, you will find the impossible becomes possible. Right, so stop your fretting. The Lord would would say he didn't he didn't actually say it, but he would say it if he if he had time. But he's really busy, so the Lord would say <laughs> that if you will um, speak my words over your situations, then the impossible will become possible. He didn't really say it though, but he would. We'll see those things that are troubling you begin to go from the troubling list to the miracle list. Right. So you got to keep lists now. Um, (laughs) So you got if you you need to keep two lists: the troubling list and the miracle list. And the Lord would say, "Now He hasn't said it, but He would." That uh, if you speak the his words over your impossible situations, then they will become possible. And then you can start to move stuff from the troubling list to the miracle list. Yeah. I would say to you, I have plans for you. I have Now the Lord, he's not saying that he does have plans for you. But he would say that if he wasn't so busy, I think. Yeah. Plans to bless you. I have plans to prosper you. So do not think that these mountains in front of you are greater than my ability to move miraculously for you. Right. Um, I'm a little confused by this because I live in a part of North Dakota that's really flat. Really, really flat. Um. I, I mean, I can scan the horizon to the north, to the south, to the east, to the west, all of the compass points and, and points in between, and it's just flat. I cannot see any mountains at all, not, not even one in this epic flatness that I live in. And in fact, we like to say that it's so flat here that you can watch your dog run away for two whole weeks. So, uh, But the Lord would say, he hasn't said it, but he would say it if he could, that uh, that that the mountains in front of you, um, but I don't have any mountains in front of me, like not even one. But God is greater than those mountains. I'm glad He's greater than the non-existing mountains that are in front of me, because you know, I mean, if I can't conquer those non-existent mountains, then who can? You know. I, the Lord says, I cannot move miraculously as I to the level I want to, because you are not cooperating with me. So the Lord didn't would say this, but the Lord did actually say this. She said, the Lord says, I cannot move miraculously to the level I want to because you are not cooperating with me. That's right. You you are literally thwarting the almighty sovereign God. And, uh, and he is rendered powerless by your non-cooperation. Give me some faith to work with. Speak faith out of your mouth. (laughs) What on earth? (laughs) 
So there's the Holy Spirit up in heaven. I mean, you know, and he's it, it saying things like this. You know, I, you know, this is the Holy Spirit, and um, I, I, I really can't move miraculously because uh, you're not cooperating with me, and I really need you to give me some faith to work with. You know, I, without some faith to work with, I'm like really powerless. You know, I don't even know how we pulled off the whole creation thingy because um, we didn't have anybody's faith to work with for that, but uh, somehow we we mustered up what we needed to do there, but. Um, I, you know, I, I really want to move miraculously, but I can't, I need some faith to work with. Would you please give me some faith to work with? Let me back this up. <clears throat> because you are not cooperating with me. Give me some faith to work with. Speak faith out of your mouth. Say this situation, this mountain will be removed. Haven't I said in my word, if you say to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea, it will be so. You know, which mountain was Jesus referring to? I <laughs> Again, I there are no mountains here in North Dakota. And the Lord would say, but I would say that many of you are spending time complaining, worrying, being troubled, rather than taking the sword of the Lord, my word. For I love my word, says the Lord, and I love it when you speak it to me. Because when you speak my word to me, then I can bring from the supernatural realm into your current events that which... Now remember, the the Lord didn't say this, but he would say it. Right. I, I would say that <laughs> many of you are spending time complaining, she said. <laughs> what a completely inept and impotent God this woman believes in. Needs to happen. I am longing to do that, says the Lord. I want to do that. I am ready to form my words, says the Lord. Amen. So I think we'll just do that right now. Father, even I, Lord, if there's been ways that I've complained and not read your word or decreed your word, I'm so sorry, Lord. So I just thank you, Father. So now she's leading the charge and repenting of not obeying this new revelation. I mean, what on earth was that? Okay, um, we're heading down to uh, Brisbane, uh, Glory City Church in Australia. Matt Sorger is the uh, guest speaker, and uh, here's what he said just a few days ago. Thank you, Holy Spirit. How many are ready for breakthrough? (laughs) How many are ready to see every... Now, this is... I believe God's going to go somewhere tonight, okay? So Where is he going? Go off your seatbelts and have a good time tonight. (laughs) I believe that every good work God has started in you, he's going to bring that work to, to completion. This... Does that mean I'm going to die? I mean, if... <laughs> uh-oh, I'm, I may not make it through October, folks. I'm just saying. We have just crossed over prophetically. If you study the Hebrew calendar, we've celebrated Rosh Hashanah, the head of the year, gone through 10 days of all, Yom Kippur. We have entered into, on the Hebrew calendar, the beginning of the new year. So happy new year. We've entered into a new year, and I believe... This year, Hebrew, on the Hebrew calendar, 5778, 
And you know the meaning of numbers biblically. Five is the beautiful number of grace. Seven is the number of completion. And eight is the number of new beginnings. And I want to declare this over you tonight. That there is a realm of supernatural grace that we all have access to. Where God will bring every good work that he has started in us to a point of completion. It sounds so profound. I mean, but this is pseudo-profound. Yeah, this is pseudo-profound bovine scatology. I mean, this guy isn't actually saying anything. These words, these sentences do not have any meaning at all. Not only the beginning, he is the end. He is not just the alpha, he is the omega. He has started a good work in you. He will be faithful to finish that work in you. I believe not only is there grace for us to step into completed, the completed, the real completed work of Christ in our hearts, in our minds, in our souls, in our bodies. What does it mean to step into the real completed work of Christ? I mean, (laughs) what's the fake work of Christ that we shouldn't be stepping into? What does this sentence mean? Also... Also, to see every assignment that God has given to us brought to a place of completion. Where we don't just start well, but we finish well. God doesn't want you just to start a race well. He wants you to be so empowered by His grace that you finish that race really, really well. And there's an anointing and a grace where God is finishing works in us. In other words, I could say it like this. Things that hindered you in your past season will not be able to follow you into your new season. Really? Oh, yes. The stuff hindering you from your past season, it can't follow you now. I didn't know that stuff in my seasons actually was mobile, you know. The things that you went round and round and round and round with in your past season, God is saying there's a grace now to bring those works to completion so that you can now step into a new season of freedom, a new season of breakthrough, a new season of completion, where it's not... A new season of freedom and completion. Yeah, wow. Wow, sign me up. What does it mean exactly? Again, these are... These are blue sleeps faster than Tuesday sentences. Just, oh God, help me, but it's God flow through me. It's not just God move in me, but it's God move through me. Because the revival that God is releasing is not just God pour into me, but it's what is God going to do through you. Because every time God pours into you, it's because he wants to release something through you. And the revival that the church will experience in this hour won't be limited to beautiful church buildings and amazing meetings where we gather together. But I believe the church is going to be filled with so much glory that everywhere you go, you're going to become a walking move of God. Everywhere you go, you're going to become a walking revival, a walking... Yeah, you're going to become a walking revival move of God thingy. Yeah, wow, that sounds so great. I'm glad you believe it. I don't know what it means. Breakthrough of God's kingdom, of God's power. How many are ready to be a walking breakthrough? Where it's- <laughs> are you ready to become a walking breakthrough? I have no idea what that thing is. But, you know, the spiritual guy that, you know, is so close to God, you know, he flies around the world and stuff. He said that you can become a walking breakthrough wonder if I need to increase my medical insurance after I become a walking breakthrough. I mean, what does this mean? Just, oh, God, give me a breakthrough. But God has given you a breakthrough so that he can release breakthrough through you. Right. He's 
you are a breakthrough because he has breakthrough that he can release through you. Yeah. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I'm scratching my head going, I, yeah, no, I, nothing's registering here. Because somewhere, somewhere this thing is going to shift. Somewhere this thing is going to move from God do a work in me to now God do a work through me. Right. It's got to do the shift thingy. There's a lot of shifting that goes on in these types of churches. Because God really wants to pour his glory through your life. Right. Now, he, just want, he doesn't want to just pour it in. He actually wants to pour his glory through your life. Uh-huh. Hallelujah. I, I don't think I can say hallelujah to this because I don't know what you're talking about. And as we come into this place of new beginnings, yeah. I really believe that God is going to produce new faith in us. Just get ready for the Holy Spirit in your prayer time to breathe new life on the inside of you, to breathe new faith on the inside of you. To br- yeah, yeah, so get ready for that. I don't know how you get ready for it, but you, the, the, God wants you to get ready new vision on the inside of you to breathe new purpose on the inside of you where it's like even what if i haven't even achieved the original purpose thingy that i was supposed to yet and he's god gonna say yeah do over time for a new one walk that you've had with god in secret even new life will be released in that oh (laughs) new life that's gonna be released in that i don't know what he's saying yeah where god makes all things new how many are ready for all things to be made new in your life? And I really believe that the Bible says in Hebrews, come boldly to the throne of grace to receive well-timed help just when you need it. And I believe that's what the grace of God is. It's his supernatural. What verse is that again? <laughs> this is like the, uh, the machine gun of nonsense. I, I'm pretty sure this is aimed at all of their brains. I mean... You subject yourself to this, and you, you might actually need professional psychiatric care. I mean, <laughs> what happened to him? Oh, man. He went to that Matt Sorger thing and had his brain riddled by nonsense. Oh, yeah. Oh, no. There's no way to recover from this. You're probably going to have to be in an institution the rest of your life. will help just when we need it. It's his empowerment in us mm-hmm. to overcome all things. Yeah. Oh, hallelujah. Now, look, Paul said something really amazing in the Bible. He said, he said, what is happening? He said, what makes you think that this, that this process of transformation that has begun in you by the working of the Holy Spirit can somehow now be brought to completion by the flesh? No, that's not what he said. By the way, I know that passage. I know where it is. You can, you can find it in Galatians. Yep, yeah, that's right. And the Apostle Paul, in uh, his epistle to the churches in Galatia, was combating the uh, Judaizing heresy. Yeah, those people who were saying that salvation was by grace through faith plus uh, good works and Torah keeping and stuff like that. And so the text in question here is uh, Galatians chapter 3, and here's what it actually says. Uh, oh, foolish Galatians, verse 1, who has bewitched you? It was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. So let me ask you this. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law 
or by hearing with faith. Notice the contrast between works of the law as opposed to hearing with faith. The answer, by the way, is hearing with faith. So are you so foolish, having begun by the Spirit, are you now trying to be perfected by the flesh? Did you suffer so many things in vain, if indeed it was in vain? Does he who supplies the Spirit to you and work miracles among you do so by works of the law or by hearing with faith? The answer is hearing with faith. Just as Abraham believed God and it was counted or credited to him as righteousness. So know then that it is those of faith who are the sons of Abraham. Yet you'll note that when you read it in context, using a good translation, uh, you know, a good translation would be like the ESV or the New King James Version or the NASB. These are good translations. Um, It doesn't say the thing that Sorger just said that it said. Like, but then again, uh, Sorger isn't really saying things that are uh, designed to make any kind of lucid sense. I'm pretty much convinced that he's engaging in pseudo-profound bovine scatology for the purpose of destroying the brains of the people listening to him. But we continue. He said, the work that has begun in you by the person of the Holy Spirit is not going to be finished by your flesh. It's also going to be finished by the working of the Holy Spirit. (laughs) I just read the text. That's not what it said at all. So the work that God has started in you by the person of the Holy Spirit that brought you to the revelation where you realize, Jesus, I need a Savior, forgive my sin. That very first beginning work of the Holy Spirit in your life, he's not just starting that work in you, but he's the one that's also going to bring it to completion. Where he goes into every area of your heart, your mind, your body, and your soul and transforms you from the inside out. Uh huh. Yeah, you'll notice he's just making these proclamations, but he's not actually exegeting a single text. Holy Spirit has started it, and he will be faithful to finish it. And I'll tell you what, God is so faithful to finish this work in us, and I'll tell you why. Because he has to live with us forever. <laughs> and he's going to make sure that he finishes this work in us, that we look as much like him as possible. Has anyone here ever gotten frustrated with the process? You know, we get a promise from God or we get a word from God or, you know, a a promise of, you know, this transformation. And then it it feels like we're just going through this process. Anyone ever get discouraged with the process or with the baby steps? Or sometimes you feel like you take a step forward, a step back, two steps forward, then a step back. And it's like, you know, you just wonder, God, am I ever really going to fully break through? Well, I'm here tonight to tell you there is a supernatural grace where you can break through and stay through. You can break through and stay through. You can. So there's a supernatural grace. You can not only break through, because you're going to become a walking breakthrough, but you can apparently you can become a walking stay through too. Right? Yeah. I mean, that sounds so important. You know. Be free and stay free. Nothing is impossible for God. I said nothing is impossible for God. All right, I think I've had about enough of him. Let's switch gears one more time and uh, head down to Perry Stone's Alpha and Omega Center as um, we listen to John Kilpatrick. Yeah, John Kilpatrick of the Brownsville Revival. Yeah, recently spoke at uh, Perry Stone's church. And uh, let's see what kind of um, mischief he's up to. Here we go. 
I want to speak on something negative tonight. It sounds negative as all get out, but I'm going to make it positive. Right, okay. And um, I want to deal with ten things you need to know about a satanic attack. Ten things I, I need to know. You know, Jennifer LeClaire, just, she's selling her book right now. Um, maybe you could just point him to her book, you know. Because I think she's got, she goes into depth about 15 different spirits, you know. And um, it's positive. I've, trans, I've, I've worked on it and made sure that it's transitioned into a positive thing for everybody. So I wanted to talk. So it's a negative thing, but he's worked through it and transitioned it so that it's positive. Yeah, that, that transitioning, you know, from negative to positive, very vital part of like today's, you know, ministry um, necessary tools to, to be able to do. Yeah. About that. I was going to go a different route up until just a few minutes ago. I was going to be preaching on something different, but I felt like the Lord prompted me to preach on this tonight. So is that okay? Uh, right. See, he was going to do something else. He had all these notes and stuff until just a few minutes ago. And then immediately, boom, he got a prompting. So he's got to do this negative, positive thing. Now, I'm going to ask you not to take notes, if you will. Yeah, whatever you do, don't take any notes. Because <laughs> then you'll realize, ah, this is a bunch of nothing. These, I know you probably are note takers, but it, I don't like preaching to Catholics. Uh, uh, what? I like preaching to countenances. Not cowlicks, but countenance. So don't take notes. Put those away. When people take notes, I preach to cowlicks, and I don't like that. Besides, I'm going to go so fast, you won't be able to take notes on all of it anyway. But, you know, I've been pastoring since 1970, full-time. And I've been preaching, I was credentialed with the Assemblies of God in 1966, so I've been preaching over 50 years, and um, I've been around a lot of situations, been around, you know, pastored large churches, and I've been in all kinds of situations that you can imagine, but it seems like to me that God's people have been going through things that's just more than coincidence. God's people's been going through attacks. And I think it's time that we talk about it. Not yeah, because, you know, God's people, they, they've been going through things. You know, things happen to God's people and stuff. You know, attack stuff. Okay. In a negative way, not to give the devil any praise whatsoever. We're going to turn this thing and give God praise tonight. Okay. But I want you to stand with me as we read just one scripture. I'm going to read from Proverbs chapter 2. And I need my glasses, please. I need Proverbs chapter 2. And uh, I'm going to read just one verse, if you want to look at it on the screen with me. It's chapter 2 and verse 11, and it says this, Discretion shall preserve thee, but understanding shall keep thee. Let's look at it together. Uh, w w one verse out of Proverbs 2. Uh, uh, yeah. You know, Proverbs 2 isn't all that long, you know, um, you could probably work your way through the whole thing, you know, without much trouble. Um, Proverbs 2, my son, if you receive my words and treasure up my commandments within you, make your ear attentive to wisdom and inclining your heart to understanding. Yes, if you call out for insight and raise your voice for understanding, if you seek it like silver, search for it as for hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. 
For the Lord gives wisdom from his mouth, and from his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He is a shield to those who walk in integrity, guarding the paths of justice and watching over the way of his saints. Then you will understand righteousness and justice and equity and every good path. For wisdom will come into your heart and knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. Discretion will watch over you. Understanding will guard you. You'll you'll note if you're reading in the ESV that verse 11, which he's quoting from the King James, is like not even a complete sentence. It's part of a bigger sentence that uh, began all the way back in verse 9. Uh-huh. So let me, in fact, let me back up. Verse 9, then you will understand righteousness and justice and equity in every good path, talking about those who are listening to God's word, coming to it for wisdom. Um, equity, uh, you'll understand righteousness and justice and equity in every good path, for wisdom will come into your heart and knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. Discretion will watch over you. Understanding will guard you, delivering you from the way of evil, from the men of perverted speech, like John Kilpatrick, who forsake paths of uprightness to walk in the ways of darkness, who rejoice in doing evil and delight in the perverseness of evil, men whose paths are crooked and who are devious in their ways. So you will be delivered from the forbidden woman, from the adulteress with her smooth words, who forsakes the companion of her youth and forgets the covenant of her God. For her house seeks down to death and her paths to the departed. None who go to her come back, nor do they regain the paths of life. So you will walk in the way of the good and keep the paths of the righteous, For the upright will inhabit the land, and those with integrity will remain in it, but the wicked will be cut off from the land, and the treacherous will be rooted out of it. Mm -hmm. 22 verses, not tough to preach on. And, of course, it begins with, My son, if you receive my words and treasure up my commandments within you, Mm -hmm. making your ear attentive to wisdom. This is talking about what happens to those who hear God's word, are attentive to it, put it to use as far as what they are to believe and what they are to do. And John Kilpatrick here is uh, quoting a verse out of context. No bueno. Discretion shall preserve thee, but understanding shall keep thee. Okay, let me explain it to you before I let you be seated. You're going to go through things. that you will not be able to express. Psalm 2 has nothing to do with going through things that I won't have any way to express. You're going to go through things that you can't even explain to your husband. You can't even explain it to your wife. You're going to go through things that even though you may make a pass uh, appointment with a pastor and sit down and try to explain it to him, you'll leave that appointment feeling like, ah, he didn't get it. You know, it's something you're going through. Something. Right, there's some, something, yeah, there's something you're going through, man. You, 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 and you, and you can't even express it in a way that people will get it, yeah. It's personable. And um, you might not be able to express it, but the Holy Spirit will give you the ability to understand it, even though you might not be able to explain it. What are you even talking about? These are just vagaries. Makes sense. No. Let me say it one more time before I let you be seated. It's not going to help if you say it ten more times. 
You're going to go through things. Right. If you haven't already, you will, and many of you are probably in the middle of it right now, are just emerging from it. Right. You're either in the middle or the, you know, or the end you know, of the thing that it, the stuff. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's like, you know, it's, this is nonsense trying to attach itself to, you know, whatever vagaries of your life he's trying to make it attached to. But you're going to go through things that you yeah. won't be able to really explain. Right. Yeah. But the Holy Spirit will give you understanding of it. But even though you have understanding of it, you still will not be able to justifiably feel like you convince somebody of what you're going through. Right. Yeah. Again, I have no idea what he's talking. These, these are sentences that have like almost no meaning. It's just something that you're experiencing. Right. Yeah. So one more time. Yeah. Discretion will preserve you, but understanding will keep you. I want to talk to you tonight. You may be seated. I want to talk to you tonight about 10 things that you need to know about spiritual attack. Right, yeah. I feel like that if you get a copy of this back in the back. Uh-huh. Notice he's selling a book, too. <laughs> Just like Jennifer LeClaire, yeah. You'll really listen to it more than one time, but I'm not going to just deal with this all 10 points tonight because time won't permit it. I won't be able to cover all 10 points. Right. But I'll probably at least cover about five or six of them, Uh huh. but I won't be able to cover all 10 because I think, if I'm not mistaken, I covered the 10 points in two or three parts. Yeah. So... The devil has three strategies that he's going to try to pull on God's people. And I know that you can agree with every one of these strategies because many of you are there or just emerging from it or you feel yourself about to go into it. One of the things is the devil, whenever you come under attack, the devil wants you to get offended with God because you believe that you're God's darling and you believe that he is with you you amen the things that the preacher preaches. You believe it, and you're, you're supposed to believe it. You've had intimate times with the Lord, and you feel special. But when you go through an attack, one of the first things the devil's going to say to you is, if God loved you, he wouldn't permit this. If God loved you, he would protect you from this. He would have shielded you from this. But he's let you go. He's got his hand off of you now, and you've done something, and he's going to let you go through this, and he's letting the devil have his way with you. So number one, the devil wants you to get offended with God. And when you get offended, here's what happens. It's almost the same as getting mad at somebody. When you get mad at somebody, you get quiet. You sort of get a little pouty. You get slack. When you get offended or when you get angry, when you get offended, you act, you behave almost exactly the same way. You get quiet. You get slack in going to your prayer closet. You feel, what's the use? He's let this happen to me. What's the use? I, I, I do. I, this, this, is, this is how I feel. I, I can't even relate to any of this. I don't know. Pray. God didn't help me. And then you want to start avoiding church attendance. You want to avoid the places where victory is being talked about or testimonies are being shared. You want to avoid that kind of environment because it intimidates you. It, it does? 
I didn't even know. I mean, wow. I mean, how 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 are you looking into my heart and figuring this out? I uh huh. You see others that got a great testimony, but you feel like God didn't do for you what you wanted Him to do. Uh huh. And so you're offended with the Lord. Right. Yeah, because somebody else won, you know, the breakthrough bingo game that's played every Sunday at these places. <laughs> what does this have to do with Psalm two again? And the devil doesn't really care so much about you getting offended with other people, which is a really an issue. Yeah. But he wants you to get offended with the Lord. Number two. How do you know he wants me to do that? The second thing I want to say about this before I get started. You, you haven't started already? Is that the devil knows he can't stop God's blessings, but he attempts to spoil the blessings of God. No. So apparently Satan's powerless to stop blessings, but he spoils them. Do you have a text that says that? Listen to something. I used to think that God would bless and the devil would come and try to steal the blessing. That's what I used to believe. Right, yeah. It's, yeah, okay. I don't believe that anymore. Let me tell you what I know. Oh, well, what do you know? Now, I don't believe that God blesses and the devil comes and tries to steal it. Now, I've come to realize that the devil will attack before the blessing comes. Okay. <laughs> How do you know that exactly? Which biblical text says that? And the attack is proportionate to whatever God is going to bless you with. Right. So if it's a ginormous attack, I mean, that means that the blessing that's on its way, I mean, it's he, God already put it in UPS and you can get the tracking number somewhere. It's, it's huge, yeah. If you go into a little attack, you got a little blessing coming. <laughs> really? Little attack, little blessing. Okay. If you go into a mediocre attack, you got a mediocre blessing coming. If you God sends out little blessings and mediocre blessings. Yeah. Go through hell, go through it right and get you a major blessing. Come on, shout amen. Why? Which biblical text says this? You just made it up. <laughs> But everything that you go through, whenever you start going through it, it's a dead giveaway. It's a dead giveaway. It's a sign that God is about to bless you. Let me tell you something about the devil. The devil is not like the adorable Godhead. The adorable Godhead is omniscient, all-knowing. It's omnipotent. It's all-powerful. And it's omnipresent. It means it's everywhere at one time. Why are you talking about God as an it, not a he? That's the, that's the uh, hallmarks of the Godhead. Satan is not omnipotent. He can't do whatever he wants to do. He's not omnipresent. He depends on a network of demon spirits and rulers of darkness to keep him informed. And also, he's not uh, all-powerful. He can't just do anything. So here's what I'm trying to say. Satan is supernatural. And it means that he can see into the spirit world because he's part of that spirit world. But what I've noticed is usually when God gets ready to do something, like in the book of Genesis, the Bible talks about how the spirit hovered before God spoke. The spirit hovered. Yeah. God spoke. The Spirit jumped to attention when God spoke and made it happen, whatever God said. But What? That's not what... <laughs>
it says in Genesis 1. Oh, man. First, the Spirit hovers. Tell you what I believe. Okay, what do you believe? I believe that before God does something in a church, a ministry, a family, or an individual's life, or a ministry, the Spirit of God starts hovering, waiting for God to give the command for the Holy Spirit to make it come to pass. Uh-huh. So, the, so right before the blessing thingy, the Holy Spirit starts doing the hovering thingy. And uh, and so that's when Satan wants to attack and stuff. Uh-huh. Do you have a biblical text that actually says this? How do you know that this is really true? So here's what happens. Okay. Here's what happens. When the devil sees that the Spirit is hovering over a certain church, uh-huh. the devil says to his minions, get them! He, he does. Go get them! Look, at there's the Spirit hovering right there. And the devil will attack. Now, what's the purpose in the devil attacking when he sees the Holy Spirit hovering? Is, number one, he wants you to get offended with God and behave in such a way that the Spirit of the Lord begins to back off a little bit because of your behavior. Yeah, so if you get offended, you know, the Spirit's going to go, whoa, 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 I can't hover here no more. How many times has a prophetic word come to a church? And God's given a prophetic word, and the Lord says, Yea, I'm going to pour out my spirit. They're going to come from the north, south, east, and west. They'll come in in wheelchairs. They'll leave pushing their wheelchairs. I'm going to open the eyes of the blind. I'm going to open up the deaf ears. Demons will be cast out. People rejoices. They write that down in the leaf of their Bible, and they say, Woo! Glory to God! Great things are coming! And then the first news you know after that prophetic word happens, the devil waits a while, and then he begins to strategize to attack that church before that blessing comes. And if he can get people to start behaving carnally, it causes the Spirit of God to be backed off a little bit. Uh-huh. So the reason why that prophecy didn't come true is not because the person who spoke it is a false prophet. No. <laughs> yeah, no, no. It's because after the prophetic word was given and the Spirit was doing the hovering thingy, people started getting all carnal up in here, and then the Holy Spirit said, Whoa, 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 i got to back off a little bit. This is this is utter nonsense. These people are sitting there. They'd be taking notes, but he told them not to. And now I can see why he didn't want them taking notes. And if he can do that, if he can get you to behave wrongly, and then you begin to back away because you get hurt with God, you get offended with God, or you start talking against the preacher... Yeah, whatever you do, don't talk against the preacher. That That's sure sign to the Holy Spirit that he's got to, like, leave immediately. No more hovering for him. You start talking against the worship. You start talking against the, against the vision of the church. Oh, no, yeah, yeah. You can't talk against the vision of the church, man. That's People go to hell for that. Well, everything was set. The Holy Spirit was hovering. The prophetic word came. But now that the devil is attacked, it's changed your behavior. Here's one thing I want to make clear. All right, yeah, yeah. None of this is in the Bible, but he, he's he got this all worked out. If the devil ever starts attacking, as I said a while ago, it's a dead giveaway God's about to bless, shut your mouth, hunker down, and wait for the attack to pass over. And when it passes over, you'll enter into the full blessing of the Lord. Come on, give God praise. Yeah, no text says that. But you, you need to shut your mouth. Yeah. Your mouth! The devil's going to get you to try to start singing that old sad song you always sing 
Why me, Lord? He's going to start all that kind of stuff. And the first years you know, you're going to slide right back off in that ditch. Just be quiet. Batten down the hatches. Hunker down. This attack won't last forever. When it's over, you'll stand up and receive the blessings of the Lord. Well, he's got them all worked up, but um, none of what he said is actually taught in Scripture. <laughs> like, not one lick of it. So, uh, wow. Okay. Uh, we're up on our second break. If you'd like to email me regarding anything you've heard on this edition or any previous editions of Fighting for the Faith, you can do so. My email address is talkback at fightingforthefaith.com. Or you can subscribe on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash pirate Christian. Follow me on Twitter. My name there, at pirate Christian. Uh, when we come back, heading down to C3 Church, San Diego, to learn how to become a miracle magnet. Yeah, I mean, you, you know, I, apparently you can rub yourself against something and start getting miraculous magnetic properties. <laughs> we'll be right back. Gibberish is not one of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. You're listening to Fighting for the Faith. Hi, Rich Christian Radio Theater presents Death of a Salesman. Are ye a salesman? Why, yes, I am. Can I interest you in some... You're listening to Byron Christian Radio. This is Dr. Curtis Lyons. I am the presiding pastor of the American Association of Lutheran churches. If you are seeking a church that believes that the Holy Bible is the inerrant, infallible Word of God and accepts the Lutheran confessions because they are the right interpretation of Holy Scripture, I hope that you will take a look at the AALC. Also, if you are considering a vocation as a Lutheran pastor, our seminary has a residency program and a program available online. This is Curtis Lyons inviting you to take a look at the AALC. Check us out at taalc.org or on Facebook at the American Association of Lutheran Churches. Oi, Captain, we got ourselves a heretic. And exactly how do ye know that she be a heretic? She be endorsing the health and wealth heresy. Does he be speaking the truth? Jesus died to make us rich. (laughs) And what exactly do we do with heretics? Oh, we throw them in the boo box. No, no, no. We preach the gospel to them. What if, um, the heretic doesn't repent? Then we throw them in the boo box. (laughs) To err is to heretic. To R is to pirate. Get yourself over to www.piratechristianradio.com forward slash Refermanda and purchase yourself a copy of the game Refermanda and join the fight for the faith today. All right, we're back. 
hour number two of Fighting for the Faith. Have you always wanted to be a miracle magnet? Apparently it's a doctrine in scripture, you know, that uh, teach you how to become a miracle magnet. Yeah, you could be just like Miracle Max after you're a magnet for miracles. It's just absurd, but let's do this right. Good, the bad, the ugly. We review it all here at Fighting for the Faith. We're an equal opportunity sermon reviewing service. <laughs> Today's sermon ser- sermon comes to us via C3 Church San Diego guest preacher Mark Burchell uh, presiding. The name of the message is Miracle Magnet. Let me Let me read for you the description of this particular sermon, shall I? It reads... Jesus performed many miracles. We all need miracles in our lives. Miracles become possible, inevitable, when we cultivate an environment in our lives where they are magnetized to us. (laughs) Really? Yeah, let me read that sentence again. Miracles become possible, inevitable, when we cultivate an environment in our lives where they are magnetized to us. Blue sleeps faster than Tuesday. Best thing I can say about that. So let me go ahead and back off on the music without any further ado. Here's Mark Burchell and Miracle Magnet. Here we go. Well, just a few weeks ago, we took our family or went with our family to Orlando, Florida for the second time. We went 12 years earlier when our kids were small. And now, of course, we have an excuse to go back. It was only for the grandchildren that we did it. And, of course, uh, they wanted to go on the rides. And uh, so we had to take them with us. And we were there just a a few weeks ago at a wonderful time. And we stayed in a, a rented accommodation. And on the site where we were was a clubhouse. And at the clubhouse, there was like a cinema for the kids. And there was also a lazy river and a pool and a water slide. The water slide was uh, um, enclosed uh, a tube coming down into this small pool. And so it was just on the second day that we arrived at, uh, in Orlando. And we, uh, I decided to go to the clubhouse with my two uh, grandchildren to have some fun up there. And um, it was just on the second day that we were there. I was aware at the bottom of the water tubular slide, there was a bit of a commotion going on. And there was uh, a lot of kids laughing and pointing into the end of the tube. There were some adults there as well, and they were laughing, and people were going, ah, look at that. And so as I went past the end of the tube, uh, I too was looking and kind of trying to mind my own business, but I was aware there was a large man stuck in the end of the tube. He decided to kind of say to his kids, I think, let me show you how to have fun. But what he didn't realize 
that he shouldn't have taken the inflatable huge tire from the lazy river down the tubular slide. So it was fine because there were gallons and gallons of water running down the slide. It was fine to start with, and he he successfully made it to about two meters from the end of the slide. But then he got stuck. Gallons of water were pouring down, and his little feet were kind of paddling out the end. And the kids thought it was hilarious. And everybody else was going, idiot. You shouldn't have done that. People were going uh, and laughing about the whole thing. Well, I was on vacation and I also wanted to point, laugh and go idiot and walk past. But I have to say I had an experience that I want to share with you right there because as I was minding my own business on vacation, right, you know, I'm not on life-saving duty. I walked past and I felt arrested inside of my heart And I just felt the Lord say to me, Mark, you need to go back, get in that slide and get this guy free. Now, I want you to know that as a good Christian, I went, why? I'm on vacation. I know you get people in San Diego C3. Of course, you would. Now, I think the reason why he's telling this story is to let everybody know. Telegraph to them, if you would, that he hears directly from God. That's an important thing. Would have all, you would have all obeyed, but come on, everybody. Can we have some fun and be real here today? And, and, and so I made my way back, and I had to climb uh, backwards, into uh, ease myself up into the slide and uh, make my way about two meters into the slide where this guy was stuck with his rubber inflatable tire around him, his little feet paddling, and some of the water coming out. I tugged and tugged and tugged at this tire and eventually managed to get it free. You can just imagine what happened next is Mark here, he got taken out by the guy, the tire and the water. But listen carefully, what I didn't bargain for is what I didn't know had happened is there were 12 children stuck behind him in the slide. They couldn't see, he was stuck at the end, so they just kept pouring down the slide, not realizing Well, they didn't know. Nobody knew, and it didn't matter that I'd set him free. He didn't know. He just thought, like, the cork had come out the bottle. Until I walked, uh, until I kind of paddled around the other side, and then I heard this conversation from a little boy, and he was saying, Daddy, the water was right up to my neck. I thought I was going to drown. Then I realized the impact of me doing something simple set not only the guy free but set everybody behind him free too and I want to start with this this morning to say this that I'm here I may be 5,000 miles or so from home right now but I've come here by the aid of the Holy Spirit as I humble myself before you to say, I believe I'm supposed to be here today. Yeah, there's nothing humble about what he's saying or doing right now. He's not humbling himself before people. He's exalting himself as a man who hears directly from God. To set some people free. Some of you are stuck in life. But remember this, especially to the guys here today, that when you get free, you don't only get free yourself, but you take everybody else with you. That your kids get free, your wife gets free. Most of our wives are waiting for us to uh, 
Come on, get free. And some of you need to make that step today towards Jesus. You know, in, in our own home church, Champions Church UK, I, I'm sure it may be the same here this morning. We have wonderful people. I love them with all of my heart. I miss them dearly when I'm away from them. That's what a pastor is like. You care about sheep, people. But I have to say there are people in our church and maybe here today, and I know that they are wonderfully safe people. They're like on the lazy river of life called salvation. They've got saved. And then there are people in churches, my church, your church, and they are satisfied. They've got their inflatable spiritual life belt on and they notice he's exegeting his time at disney world there paddling through life down the lazy river they're enjoying life so they're saved and they're satisfied but friends there are also many people who are stuck and today i am here and in this message i believe i'm going to pull you out and get you free so that you can be not only saved, not only satisfied, but you can get free from your stuckness today. Some of you... Yeah, are, are you experiencing stuckness? I'm not sure what that is or what the symptoms are of stuckness are. Um, biblically, I'm not even sure what we are to apply uh, to uh, something as, well, terrible as, as stuckness. Um, but he's been sent by the Holy Spirit to apply the uh, the principles of unstuckiness to, to de-stick you if you've been stuck. Are at a level in your life and you think that's all there is. I want to impart something today and encourage you with all of my heart to say, listen, friends, there's a something beyond the level of your life right now. Yeah, there's something beyond stuckness. And, and he's here to tell you that, friend. There, there's so much more than to life than the stuck thingy. I wonder if there's anybody right now that feels stuck in your life and you want to move on. In Mark chapter 9, we won't read it, but for time's sake, let me relay this story. Yeah, so you won't actually, for, for the sake of time. By the way, I know for a fact that this sermon is longer than 45 minutes. But for the sake of time, he's not going to actually read Mark chapter 9. But he'll relay what's in it. Uh-huh. He doesn't have any time to actually read a biblical text and exegete it. That's weird. I give sermons every Sunday. And I have nothing but time for the God, for God's Word. Now, in fact, the majority of my sermons are actual biblical texts. There's a, there's a man who comes to Jesus and said, Jesus, my son is demonized. How many of you know what that feels like as parents? Be real and honest this morning. Some of you actually feel that you're married as ladies to the devil, maybe. And uh, some of you are nudging each other. All right, I have a sense of humor. Some of you don't. <laughs> All right, it's okay if we joke around for a little bit. All right, the moment you laugh, I'm going to ram the truth down. <laughs> <laughs> and um, this guy comes to Jesus in Mark chapter 9, and he said, Jesus, I, my son is, is incredibly affected by the demonic and keeps throwing himself into the fire. So uh, I took him to your disciples, and they couldn't do anything for him. And then he said these words, but Jesus, if you can do anything for him. And Jesus responds like this, 
if you can, question mark. As if to say, you mean the things that I can't do, and you're asking, is this something I can do? There is no question, question mark, today, friends, in your life about what God can and cannot do. He says to you, what do you mean, if I can? And then he says to the guy looking him straight into the eyes, he said, everything is possible for the one who believes. Now, I looked up the word everything in the Greek and Hebrew. And I found out it means everything. Everything is possible to him who believes. So friends, I want you to know I want to lift the level of your faith today. He's going to lift it, man. Get ready. Your your faith level is going to get lifted. And the money in your wallet, too. Everything is possible, it says, for him who believes. Then the man said to Jesus, I do believe. Help me overcome my own belief. Now, I'm looking out here, some precious people, all of you. And I know right now that most of you, if not all, have belief. You do believe. I don't need to convince you to believe, but you're stuck at a level of your belief. Right. So you see, just like that guy, he, he was stuck at a level. You see, that's why he said, you know, I believe, help my unbelief, is because he was stuck. You see, you too might be experiencing stuckness. Don't worry, he's going to raise your faith level today. have no idea what any of that means, but I mean, oh man, he, he's, he's the pastor of a church, so it's got to be true, right? And I say, like Jesus said to or the guy said to Jesus, help me overcome my unbelief. Is it okay if I just give you four quick points and a poem in the UK? Four quick points and a poem. Wow, that's, that's going to be amazing. Yeah, I can't wait for the poem. Okay, we love poems. That's a joke too. All right, you'll get used to me in a moment. Four quick points. To help you with your unbelief. You go, oh, I do believe you. I know you believe. But what if we took you to a whole nother level today of believing? Whereby you walked out 10 feet tall, believing for that financial situation to change. Believing that divorce that's on the cards for you as a a married couple. It's now going to somehow shift. There is going to be a shift here today. Right, yeah, because, you know, there's levels and, and you got to shift stuff, right? Yeah, okay. Help me overcome my unbelief. I'm going to turn to the scriptures this morning. We're going to look at John chapter 2. For those of you who are very young here, and it appears that everyone is younger than me here this morning, and uh, some of you are going to look on your iPhones. Uh, we're used to that. And uh, some of you have your scriptures on your iPads. And for those of you who are over 50s, you can actually use your, your uh, eyelids to look at the screen as well. Because uh, uh, I'm pretty stuck in that area. Help me overcome my stuckness in that. Some young guys get around me, please. So John chapter 2. Familiar story. This is the first miracle that Jesus ever did recorded in the scriptures. John chapter 2, verse 1, on the third day, a wedding took place at Cana in Galilee, and Jesus' mother was there. And Jesus and his disciples also had been invited to the wedding. Notice, they had been invited. A little bit of advice, never turn up to a wedding that you're not invited. It's pretty embarrassing. I know you're hungry and you want a free meal, but don't do it. It's really embarrassing. 
And when the wine was gone, Jesus' mother said to them, they have no more wine. Woman, why do you involve me? Jesus replied. <laughs> That's not a good way to address your mom. Any young people here don't take any notice of this Bible verse. Yeah, the issue is if you know you're Greek, that was not an insult. That was actually a term of endearment and honor. You can call a mom, but never woman. You are going to get a left foot of fellowship. All right. Why do you involve me, Jesus replied, my hour is not yet come. And his mother said to the servants, do whatever he tells you. Great piece of advice. Nearby stood six stone water jars, the kind used by the Jews for ceremonial washing, each holding, this is incredible, from 80 to 120 liters. And Jesus said to the servants, fill the jars with water. So they filled them to the brim. Then he told them, now draw some out and take it to the master of the banquet. I don't know about you, but I wouldn't want to be that guy. They did so, and the master of the banquet tasted the water that had been turned into wine. He did not realize where it had come from, though the servants who had drawn the water, drawn the what? The water, not drawn the wine. It was still water by then. They drew the water new. Then he called the bridegroom aside and said, excuse me, excuse me, mate. Everybody brings out the choice wine first and then the cheaper wine after the guests have had too much to drink. They have no clue what they're drinking. But you have saved the best till now. And I just want to pause there for a moment and say, right now you've come in at a level into this church today in your life. But I want you to know that the Jesus of the Bible is the one who saves the best till now. What are you talking about? That has nothing to do with what you just read. And you have got to look forward to today to knowing that the best is yet to come in your life. Some of you have written off the rest of your life. You're looking back. You see, because Jesus uh, saved the best wine till last, guess what, folks? That means the best is still coming for you. Please, everybody applaud. Backwards and saying, oh, you know, you know, I think my life's over. No, Jesus says to you right now, the best is yet to come today. Right now, I speak and prophesy over your life. No, you don't. You're not prophesying. You're a false prophet and you're a false teacher and you're a twister of God's word. Life. What Jesus did here in Cana of Galilee was the first of the signs and miracles through which he revealed his glory. That's right. And that's kind of an important one because he turned washing water into wedding wine. Six stone jars. Think of the stone tablets of the Torah. Yeah, important stuff going on there in type and shadow, by the way. And his disciples believed in him. Notice he says his disciples believed in him. So you can be a believer and have problems believing. You see, but... Um, that's John chapter 2, pretty early in the Gospel of John. And that sign helped his disciples believe in him. Yeah, the important thing here, what you just said is not even a correct inference from the context when you take consider the fact that this is like the very first miracle Jesus performs right after he calls his disciples. Believers are called believers because we're supposed to believe. Yeah, that's why we call believers. But somehow our believer button has got stuck. So we're believers that are stuck 
So I want to take you up an octave, a few notes, if that's okay, in your Christian life and experience. And some of you need to find and come to Jesus for the first time today in this message. Today, I want to bring to you a message, a very simple message called Miracle Magnets. Miracle Magnets. How to magnetize a miracle into your life. Now, I've... What a load of garbage. This is just rubbish. I've never met anybody that doesn't want a miracle. Most of us here today need a miracle. You don't know what I need, and I don't know what you need, but all of us are in the same boat. Remember that fellowship is all about fellas arriving on different boats, and now we're all in the same ship. Uh, That's just nonsense. Or fellas arriving in the... I got that backwards code completely wrong and messed the whole thing up, but (laughs) that says to you, you are just human, and a bit of a twit as well. But there we go. How to magnetize miracles to your life. I'm going to give you four things that will help you to magnetize. Well, let's put it another way. How does God look for people who are magnetizing his power? Um, Where in Scripture does it say that God is looking for people who magnetize his power? I'm not familiar with any text like that. Are you ready for this? Anybody out there today? Well, the first is very, very simple. Miracle is magnetized, number one, because of need. Uh huh. Do you have a text that says that? Need. When God is up to something, you have to be down to nothing. <laughs> All right. So when God is up to something, I, I, I need to be down to nothing. Yeah. Oh, man, I mean, consider my mind blown there, yeah. You see, many people in our church back at home and here, they come into church and they go, ah, you know, Mark, I I, I don't feel like praising the Lord today, and maybe you're one of them, and they put their hands in the pockets during the worship, they put their hands in the pockets during the offering and never take them out. And, um, oh, yeah, you can't do that and expect God to bless you. He, he can't bless you unless you give him money and some faith to work with. You know, they go through the whole service. Oh, I'm so needy. You know, I can't worship today. Brilliant. That's exactly who God wants to use today because God's power is magnetized to need. Really? Yeah. Where in Scripture does it say that God's power is magnetized to need? I am not familiar with that text, and John 2 certainly doesn't teach it. Think about this. Every healing starts with a sickness. <laughs> well, come to think of it, wow, that's that's true. And every resurrection starts with a death, you know? Every miracle provision starts when you're down to nothing. Some of you are downcast today. Oh, my finances, they're so low, I've got nothing left. God said, brilliant, you are just the candidate for a miracle. Don't get too self-righteous on me now this morning when you go, oh, pastor, I have need of nothing. That's not a great position. You need this morning to come with a need, and God feels, fills and meets needs. It starts with nothing. 
Psalm 46, he said, God is a refuge and strength, a very present help in times of trouble. God is attracted to trouble with a capital T. Some of you sitting here today are in capital T kind of trouble. You right now, you need the Lord to do something for you. And I'm here to tell you, the way you magnetize a miracle is you simply come with a need. Number two, a miracle is magnetized by a little faith. Mountains move with a little faith. But I've often found in my life that I take that and we kind of turn it upside down. And so we think about miracles like this. Oh, I need a mountain of faith to move a tiny little problem. Jesus didn't say, I need you to have a mountain. And so what we do, we we shundai and we, 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 we speak over things and we get all excited. And, oh God, I need right now for a miracle. And so we spend hours in prayer and fasting, which is wonderful. And I don't decry that. But sometimes we think of ourselves as, oh, I need a mountain of faith for this tiny problem. You know, the great news is, no, you don't. Well, I I bought a mustard seed. Yeah, I thought the great news was that Christ died for our sins. The faith with me. Problem is I've lost it. It's so small. I found a couple of mints in my pocket, but I can't find the mustard seed of faith because it's so small. Now, Jesus didn't say an avocado seed. Neither did he say a peach seed. He didn't even say a pip from a grape. You, You just need a mustard seed faith thingy so if you have that then you know you can so you, all you got just get get that faith up to that mustard seed you know dimension and the magnet miracle thingy blammo you know it, it just kind of happens like that uh-huh he said all you need is a tiny little bit of seed start with the seed you see faith is like a muscle the more you use it. Why do I feel like he's changing it? You just need a seed like money. Why do I feel like he's playing with the definitions here? The stronger it becomes. If you don't use it, you lose it. And so you need to have a little faith. Well, I was a Baptist boy through and through, wet all over. And I was really against taught against the miraculous. I had never heard about the power of the Holy Spirit. I didn't know about... Here's standard charismatic talk at this point. Oh, yeah, I was oppressed. Oh, in that Baptist church. Yeah, you know, that minister, all he did was you know, rail against those Pentecostals and charismatics. And oh, and now I've discovered the Holy Spirit. And you're going to sit in there and go, really? You, you really are... You have, the Holy Spirit speaks to you. Why isn't he telling you then to repent and to stop twisting his word. About praying for people, I'd never seen a miracle. I've been in church now for 56 years of my life, and I, you know, that wasn't part of my deal. We belong to a great Bible church, you know, that preached the Bible, apart from the bits that didn't suit them, and they got ripped out. So anything to do with the Holy Spirit... Right, apparently any Bible-believing church or Bible-preaching church, they just tear the the Holy Spirit bits out. That's weird. I don't. Mm -hmm. And all the Holy Spirit bits don't teach the doctrines that you guys believe in there. 
And the thing that used the electricity on the stage was of the devil. No guitars, no drums, no nothing. We just had, you know, that's the way it was for me. That's how I was raised. And then I felt the call of God upon my life. I was a professional French chef for 10 years. And God called me from my dream. And, 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 and then I went to Bible school. At Bible school, I was put in a room for two years with a raving Irish Pentecostal. Now, let me describe the room. That was like having a Rottweiler with a Chihuahua in a room. The Pentecostal and the Baptist, we argued. He told me I needed to feel filled with, needed to be filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. I needed to speak in tongues. I needed, I needed. And I argued, I'm just a good Baptist. You need the Word of God. That's all you need. And so, yet scripture so clearly teaches in 1 Corinthians 12, not all speak in tongues. Uh-huh. Read 12. It talks about the diversity of gifts and how we each get from the Holy Spirit different gifts. And he goes on to ask the question, are all apostles? No. Are all prophets? No. Do all speak in tongues? No. And the Greek there literally says, no. It's an untranslated particle, may, you know, for each of those questions. So he convinced me, and one night I was filled with the Holy Spirit on the top bunk. Now, I never told him because that would have made him too proud and big-headed. <laughs> But I was filled with the Holy Spirit. And so after that experience, uh, I went back home for, a, uh, for the Easter vacation from Bible school, went back home. And I said to the Lord, okay, so how do you want to use me? He said, I want to use you in healing. And I went, okay, so I don't know what really that is or anything. I don't never seen that happen. And I said, okay, if that's what you want, then you'll have to show me somebody who is sick. So he did. Now, I thought it would be somebody with an ingrowing toenail. Or a headache, a migraine, or something pretty simple. I didn't expect him to show me a 14-year-old guy that was dying. Now, this is my healing of the sick testimony as a Baptist boy now filled with the Holy Spirit to tell you just about how to move in miracles with a tiny little bit of faith. Well, this guy was 14. He was one of two young people in our little church of 15 people. And uh, it, it was amazing. Not. And... Um, so this guy, I went home from Bible school, and I was told he's in bed. He's been to the hospital for several weeks. They don't know what's wrong with him. He can't eat. He can't even get out of bed. He can sit up for half an hour each day, and then he lies back down. He can't walk. He can't do anything. His waist, when I saw him, was like that. He was emaciating. He couldn't do anything. God said, he's the fella. Well, thank you very much. And... I battled for three days and three nights. And I said to the Lord, no, this is not right. This should, should be something simple, as if it was my power. You know, as if, well, you know, I, I can't do that. And God's just trying to say, it's not yours, you to it anyway. So, so on the third night, I come under such conviction. And God said to me, Mark, it's now or never. Are you going to obey? And I was so dismayed. I thought, Lord, I don't know what to say. Yeah, you'll notice he's not. He, the text he read from the Bible, he just practically ignored what they mean and say, totally twisted them. And now he's exegeting the so-called voice of God that he hears directly now that he's filled with the Holy Spirit and speaks in tongues and, and can actually heal people. Uh-huh. Say, I don't even know what to hold and um, what to hold when I get in the room or, or anything. I've never done this before. I'm just a Baptist that believes God. 
apart from that bit. And uh, so I went into the house, into the bedroom, and there were people gathered, his mates around him, laughing and joking, and he was there flat out dying. And I said, <clears throat> hello, I've come to pray. And, uh, and they kind of, I, I felt as if I was being jeered at, and I thought I've got to get out of here quick, and I prayed the most simple Jesus prayer that I could think of, and I placed my hands on him in Jesus' name and got it over really quickly, and then I didn't even say anything else, good night, God bless, or something, and then ran out the room. On the way into the room was his mother. And I said, I've prayed for Mark. His name was Mark. In fact, every story I have today is Mark. It's very, very confusing. And um, <laughs> so you have to know which one I'm talk talking about. And uh, she said, oh, so many people have prayed for him. I said, now listen, he's going to be healed. Now, I don't know where that came from, apart from that's what faith feels like. I just had a tiny little bit of faith. Well, I left the house, I went to bed, and nothing happened until 6 o'clock the next morning. When he got out of bed for the first time, he was totally well. He got up, he cooked breakfast for the whole of the family. He had a good hearty breakfast, and he was totally, miraculously healed. Oh, come on, somebody. Is anybody out there believing for a miracle today? Yeah, you know, he, he tells a good story. So aren't you ready for a miracle today? He's, he's able to deliver them, you know. Uh-huh. Now, the reason I'm telling you that story is because some of you go, oh, you know, when I've got a mountain. No, 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 you don't need a mountain of faith. I, I don't know even if I had much faith at all, but it was just a little faith. You see, you could have come from an upbringing that says, I don't know whether I believe in the miraculous. Well, you know, when you're in trouble and dying, you need to. So my second point is a little faith. The third one is this, invite Jesus to the party. Right, you got to see, because, you know, John 2, you got to invite Jesus to the party. You can't expect him to turn your water into wine, you know, with if you only have, you know, little, so little faith that you don't invite him to the party and stuff. Uh-huh. Invite Jesus to the party. It says that Jesus was invited. Some of you are right now at a level, and you go, I don't... Yeah, it says that Jesus was invited. So are you inviting Jesus? This is such nonsense. I don't know which way to turn. I don't know what to do. The doctors have given me no hope. My marriage is on the rocks. By the way, for those of you who are married ladies and you can't conceive... From this service, I prophesy, go home, write down the date. You will conceive from this day forward. The greatest miracles that's happening like that in our church. I don't know what it... You're going to conceive miracles. Yeah. Well, I do know it's the Lord. But the greatest miracle that we keep seeing in our church is ladies conceiving who've been told you cannot. One baby. Yeah, so there you go. You, those of you with fertility issues, you've been saved. The miracle magnet himself has uh, brought the miracles with him. One young lady now in our church, how old is miracle? She's probably about uh, two years of age. Um, Filipino. Her mother was told no chance. Went on to IVF program, and they told her it won't work, and it didn't work. She got in the car, came home, cried out to God, got prayed for at church. She gave birth just nine months later and called the baby Miracle. So that is one of the outstanding miracles in our church. So just by sitting here, to, well, there will be other things that need to happen. You with me? 
not just by sitting here today. You know what I mean? I, I can advise you if you don't know any further than that, but that's going to be pretty embarrassing. All right. Uh, I'll leave that to Pastor Jürgen. He will, I no, no doubt, have the words to express to you about that. But time and time again, ladies just come into our church, and, and, it, and it happens you know, the fun has to happen as well. But, but there we go, and I'm trying to get out of a big, deep hole that I'm in right now. And, it, and if I dared to look at my wife on the front row, she'd be giving me those dagger eyes. But uh, invite Jesus to the party. How on earth did you get onto that, Mark? Invite Jesus to the party. Some of you right now just need to say, Jesus, I'm inviting you. You didn't think he could help you, but he, he wants to help you. Well, we uh, started pastoring the little church. There's a picture of it here. It was built in 1810. Yeah, when I started pastoring the church, they hadn't had a pastor for 55 years. Some of the people from 1810, when I turned up, were still there. (laughs) They weren't alive, but they were still there. And even the ones that were alive, they were dead too. I had a quick look through the membership roll and found out that most of them had died about a hundred years earlier. We have a little joke that it took the first hundred years of our church to get to 80 and the second hundred years to get it back down again to 15. So I became the pastor of this little chapel, the Baptist chapel in our town that's called Netherton, which means neither town. It's very popular. And um, it means neither town. We're neither here, we're neither there. And... um, I heard, after three years of being the pastor, I heard what I believe was the audible voice of God. Now, it sounded like it to me inside of me, and it went like this, Mark, buy me that land. The Lord said, buy me that land. I said, well, I don't know how to do that. I don't have any money, so how do you do that? And I'll need your help. And he helped. And six years later, we bought for cash that land through a series of miracles. Well, following that... um, Our new building started some years later and um, five months into the build of this three million pounds auditorium, that's all we got for three million, and um, five months in we were quarter of a million dollars. Uh, We needed quarter of a million dollars in nine days. How many of you know that that's, that's quite a lot for nine days? That's a lot for God in nine days, isn't it? That's what I thought anyway. And the next morning, after I was told you need a quarter of a million from the contractor in nine days, I got up the next morning to pray, as I always did. And I sat in my chair. I didn't know what to pray. And some of you need a real honest prayer right now. And I prayed this prayer, God, I don't need a miracle. Cue sappy music. This is an emotional manipulation technique designed to create the false impression that God, the Holy Spirit, is now descending on the audience trying to encourage them to make some important decisions. Have you made the decision to become a miracle magnet? You need to invite Jesus, you know. Miracle tomorrow. I need one today. It became the title of my book that's just a few left available today. God, I don't need a Yeah, selling books, too. (laughs) There's a surprise. A miracle tomorrow. I need one today. And that honest prayer was my invitation for Jesus to Jesus to my not so party within 7 days we paid the bill in full 
contractor wrote to me and said, thanks very much, Mark, for the prompt payment. He didn't know what was going on beneath the surface. I just sent him an email back. Uh, No problem. (laughs) Friends, if you want to go from chapel mentality to, this is the auditorium now that we built. And um, that's our church. That's where your pastor preached a few weeks, months ago. Some of you got stuck in the chapel and you need to move on to the auditorium. Is anybody there this morning receiving this word? And then the final point this morning, and then I'm going to pray for you. I I feel I'm supposed to impart some faith to you today, is give him something to work with. You see, Jesus didn't fill the water pots. Neither did he carry the first glass to the master of the banquet, yeah, that's right. So Jesus didn't fill them. So you better fill those water pots up. They had to do that. You see, with Jesus, you have to get out of the boat. Now, I appreciate getting out of the boat on stormy water means... What does the water pots have to do with getting out of a boat? And no, I don't have to get out of no boat. So you're going to risk drowning. But I found also that you risk walking on water. Some of you would go... Have you risked walking on water? Because, you know, the water pots, after you invite Jesus, you know, none of this is at all lucid biblical doctrine. It's not even lucid thought. This is just a string of nonsensical phrases strung together that sound, well, pseudo-profound. But it's just, well, a bunch of Shemitah is what it is. You're so scared of drowning that you don't walk on water. So I'm going to take you by the hand. It's the Holy Spirit's hand through me. You're going to take us by the hand through the Holy Spirit to have us walk on water. Really? And I'm going to ask you to get out of your seat in a moment. And ask you, would you step out of the boat? You have to give him something to work with. Yeah, God can't work with nothing, man. He's got to, you got to work with something. <laughs> this is just nonsense. When did the water become wine? When they took it as water and they went over to the man. I'm glad I wasn't him. And said, please, sir, would you taste this? No, the text doesn't say that. Um, Is it water or wine? And this guy said, the text doesn't say that. No, it doesn't say that at all. Man, this guy is slick. John chapter 2. Now there were six stone jars there, verse 6, for the Jewish rites of purification, each holding 20 or 30 gallons. Jesus said to the servants, fill the jars with water. They filled them up to the brim. He said to them, now draw some out and take it to the master of the feast. So they took it. When the master of the feast tasted the water, now become wine, and did not know where it came from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew The master of the feast called the bridegroom and said, Everyone serves the good wine first, and when the people have drunk freely, then the poor. But you have kept the good wine until now. This, the first sign of his signs, Jesus did at Canaan and Galilee and manifested his glory, and his disciples believed in him. Yeah, this guy is, you know, he's adding to the text. He's making absurd requirements of you. Yeah, you... See, it's up to you. You've got to draw the water first, man, so so that you can walk on the water. You know, again, just 
these sentences are blue sleeps faster than Tuesday, and everyone's going, oh, wow, oh, oh, and it's nothing. That's incredible. You see, you have to give him something to work with. I was invited. Yeah, apparently the sovereign God of the universe has to have something to work with. So have you drawn your water yet out of your water pot so that Jesus can turn it into wine while you're walking on the water? I did to speak on the south coast of England some years back. And the Holy Spirit said to me, it's true as I'm standing here, whatever they give you as an offering, and I laugh because this is England, it's not yours. You descend it immediately to a couple that you know who are pastoring a church somewhere else. They haven't been paid for three months. It's their money, not yours. I said, Lord, that's no sweat because I'm going to the south coast of England and I know there are 35 people in the church and they're probably going to give me gas money to get home. And so to give that away, that's simple. Well, when I got there, there were 31 people and I took four people with me. So it was accurate. There were 35. Well... The pastor then proceeded to beat the people over the head with the Bible about giving to Pastor Mark, who's traveled all this way. Don't just give him a simple offering. You're going to give everything you've got tonight. I'm going, hey, hang on a bit. This is going to be given away. Calm it down, mate. Stop now. And he goes on. He preaches longer than I preached about giving. I mean, talk about a test. And so when I got up to speak, I actually gave a disclaimer. And I said, listen, folks, thank you so much for giving your life savings tonight and everything else. But I want you to know that I am not receiving that offering. The Holy Spirit's told me I have to send it. So if you want your money back, you just step forward. And literally, they all sat there. And uh, you thought I was going to say something else, didn't you? And they just, anyway, at the end of the service, got to move on. And uh, the pastor came to me. And gave me on the envelope, it told me how much was in the offering. It was the largest offering I had ever had in my entire ministry. I mean, this is England, and it was $500. That was huge back then, some years ago. And I went, oh, blooming. We've got an unfinished bathroom at home. I've got a wife who's going to ask me, did they give you anything? And then I'm going to have to tell her when I get home in the middle of the night, yeah, but there's a problem. I gave it away. And she's going to go, again? When are we going to finish the bathroom? So I traveled all day and traveled back night, got home at midnight. On the way to the car from the church, the pastor ran up and said, oh, Pastor Mark, by the way, there's a guy in the service and he's told me to give you this. And he said, you can't give that away. It's for you. So I got two envelopes. I get dropped off at home after midnight, dark, walk in the kitchen, put the kettle on, and I'm going to be really, really honest. And I know I look really spiritual because I've been a pastor for all these years. But really, I'm not really spiritual. I'm just spiritually real, which is there's a difference. We need a few more of those. And I walked into the kitchen. I threw the envelopes on the counter. I said, well, Lord, you got me to give away the biggest offering I've ever had. And I suppose in the other envelope, you're not going to be able to beat that. I'm going to finish the bathroom and I, you know, we have conversations private, but we never tell anybody while well, I'm making myself vulnerable and telling you. So I had a cup of tea. Now in England, a cup of tea solves every problem there is. I had a cup of tea and 
I, I, I thought, shall I look inside the envelope that's for me? So I put the $500 to one side, converting it for your benefit, and thought that tomorrow is going to my pastor friends who don't have any money. And then I peeled back the other envelope, church of 31 people, and inside was $3,000. Well, what do you say to that? To God be the glory. You see, he's a miracle magnet. You can be a miracle magnet too if you just invite Jesus to your party and make sure he has something to work with while you're walking on the water. (laughs) You see, you've got to give God something to work with. Would you like to stand with me right now? I'm going to make an invitation because I know this is going to be a powerful moment for you. Some of you are safe, satisfied, stuck. Some of you are starting out in your Christian life. You, you need a fresh impartation of faith. So I'm going to give you one final story. That's okay. One minute, 46. A- another story from your life. Mm-hmm. Notice, it's not so interested in rightly handling any biblical text, but telling everybody all of his life stories that he's really exegeting to prove that us this all works. And here we go. I've been preaching in Cape Town, South Africa now for several years. And uh, I've been visiting a couple of churches to preach. And and so I became friends with a guy. And his name, I have a guess, is Mark. (laughs) If you're named Mark here today, I don't want to be your friend because I need some new names in my life. (laughs) And I... I really, we, we got to know each other and this guy and his family has two beautiful sons, great church called the Rock Church, just outside Cape Town, doing a great job. And uh, so I'd been going there probably every February, got to know him. And uh, Christmas Day, three years ago, he became ill. So I went to the doctors, then went to the hospital. And so a couple of weeks later, he sends me a text, Mark, that's me, not him. You remember? All right. Um, would you pray for me tomorrow? I have to have an operation. Going to the hospital. I said, wow, what's up? He's, he's a really big, strong fellow. And I thought, what's wrong? He said, oh, it's pretty complicated, but I'll tell you soon. And But just pray for me. So I didn't know what was wrong with him. But I didn't realize he was going to have anything from between an eight and a 13-hour 13 13 operation. Didn't know this. And basically 30 years ago, he had an accident. The steering wheel went into, into his stomach. He was a young pastor, had no money, and uh, couldn't afford to go to the hospital. His diaphragm was ruptured, and for 30 years, his intestine, spleen, and his stomach has grown, gone through the hole, and grown around his heart. He had nothing here, and everything was there. He didn't tell me that. So he goes in for the operation on Monday morning. I'm at the office. I come home from the office on Monday lunchtime, take the dogs for a walk. I'm on a grassy uh, field. And um, there's nobody around. And I hear the voice of the Holy Spirit. And he said this, raise Mark from the dead. Pardon. Raise Mark from the dead. So he's claiming that he's raised somebody from the dead by the name of Mark. Tears started to roll down my face. And I look around, make sure there's nobody in the field with me because this is going to sound ridiculous. By the way, often the miraculous has a different 
sound to it because the miraculous often gets miraculous gets mixed up with the ridiculous and sometimes the miraculous is the ridiculous and so I, I went excuse me I have a big voice Mark come back and as I shouted I saw his face and his body being sucked from this planet into eternity and I shouted a second time Mark come back and that was it. I went back home. My wife had just arrived. She looked at my face and said, what on earth happened? I said, I told her the story. Well, next few days we had text back to say the operation had been okay, a few complications, but that was it. Two weeks later, we were arriving, myself and my wife, on his doorstep to stay with him and his wife and family because I'm preaching in his church. He's just arrived back from the hospital. So I say to him, listen, we got our suitcases in our hand. We sit on his sofa in his lounge. I say, Mark, what happened? Tell me what happened on the day of the operation. He said, I died twice. And I said, what time did you die? And it kind of all added up. I live six to 7,000 miles from his house. I don't know why God didn't ask you to do it. Maybe you were too busy. But God chose me that day to raise him from the dead. And he came back twice. They called his family, said he's not going to make it, but he did. Today, Mark Serpentine, Rock Church, South Africa. Look him, check him out. He's big and strong. He's doing a great work. He's back to normal health and strength. To God be the glory. Yeah, actually, I think uh, you're taking all the glory, Mark. Yeah, weird. Well, time is gone. Yeah, I mean, Mark raised him from the dead, you know. So do God couldn't do it himself. He, he needed Mark. Do we have time just for, yeah, we're okay. So as we start the worship, guys, we're just, I'm just going to ask you quickly and quietly to come and make your way to the front this, uh, this morning. And I'm just going to lay hands on as many people as I can. Because he's a miracle magnet. He, if you're dead, just come on up. He'll raise you up. And for those of you who can't reach... Because I know there's probably going to be somewhere I sense in my mind and in my heart about 40 to 50 people who need an impartation of faith for your miracle. Do, do you need an impartation of faith for your miracle? I have no idea what that means, but he'll give them one. He, he'll give them an impartation. Yeah. Uh-huh. There are conditions here right now. Those of you who have had a doctor's report, and I'm telling you now, today is your miracle. Start to come right now in the name of Jesus. That's right. If you have a doctor's report, you have a note from your doctor, you come up first. Yeah. Start right now. Start right now. There are going to be babies born after this. There's going to be babies all up in here, man. Financial miracles are coming your way. Right now, come on, let's applaud these people who need the Lord Jesus right now to touch their lives. Yeah, notice they're not coming up <clears throat> with anything that has anything to do with repenting of their sins, trusting in Christ for the forgiveness of their sins, bearing fruit in keeping with repentance. Uh, nothing like that. No, 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 no. They, they're, they're coming up for miracles, man. Nothing is impossible for God right now. He's going to do some miracles in the name of Jesus. The Lord says to you today, have no fear about this situation, for God has got you covered. He has you covered right now. There are people over here. Don't resist. Just come right now in the name of Jesus. Come on, let's start to worship in this atmosphere of faith. 
Yeah, worship in the atmosphere of faith. There, yeah, there you go. So, yeah, that was uh, manipulation, deception, and uh, false doctrine clearly on display. And nobody there cared to actually open up a biblical text to compare to see if what they were hearing from Mark actually squared with what God's word says in context. And said they bought it. Oh, he is the miracle guy. He hears directly from God. He's raised somebody from the dead from 6,000 miles away. Oh, he is amazing. He's special. He's going to give me a baby. He's going to give me financial prosperity. Oh, he's a miracle magnet. And all I have to do to be a miracle magnet is invite Jesus to my party. Uh Uh-huh. Right. Some magic beans I'd like to sell you. So what'd you think? Love to get your feedback. If you'd like to email me regarding anything you've heard on this edition or any previous editions of Fighting for the Faith, you can do so. My email address is talkback at fightingforthefaith.com or you can subscribe on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash pirate Christian. Follow me on Twitter. My name there at pirate Christian. Till tomorrow, may God richly bless you in the grace and mercy won by Jesus Christ and his vicarious death on the cross. For all of your sins. Amen.